Mr. Harry Shum Jr., we will throw a Halloween party that's just the three of us, and then you can wear the Frank. That's out. Okay. Actually, no. Invitation rescinded. That came off way dip. I remembered what the Frankenfurter costume looked like, and I went, oh. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sing Stations podcast. My name is Olive, and I personally choose to believe that Mike Chang has never done anything wrong in his life. Hi, I'm Eliza, and while I don't think that this episode caused my ear infection, I'm not saying it didn't make it worse. That's interesting. Interesting of you to say. I'm not saying that this is my favorite episode, my least favorite episode of Glee. I'm not even saying this is my least favorite episode of this season, but I do think it's the worst one. The best thing about this episode is how fast it goes by fair every scene almost like seamlessly leads into the next and like okay well let's do the intro of the show we're reviewing the rocky horror glee show episode which is a sentence that is so unbearably cursed if we can moonlight another podcast on our podcast if anyone has an interest in the rocky horror show slash the rocky horror picture show Go ahead and listen to our friend's podcast, The Rocky Horror Minute. Uh, it's an excellent, excellent treat for fans of the movie slash musical. Leandra and, and Kelly are so funny. Yes, they're so funny. Um, it'll also just be in, just infinitely more edifying intellectually than this episode of Glee. Yeah, truly, on every level. So this episode opens with the song science fiction picture show is that what it's called science fiction double feature yeah okay i know my i know my rocky horror it's gonna be really hard to not say rocky horror this episode if it happens just roll with it it's the rocky horror picture show so they're doing science fiction double feature uh santana is singing it she's the lips um and they're doing the which i gotta say excellent choice Honestly, like Naya Rivera sounds great. She sounds fantastic. Frankly, like if I really had to rank this, I think this is one of uh, Santana's best solos. I think she's kind of killing it. Um, That's fair. I'll allow that. I don't think I realized that this was Santana singing the first couple of times I watched this. Like I just processed like, oh, it's it's the lips and they're doing the the original credits of Rocky Horror are very iconic. It's just like the red background, the lips and the names and red text coming up also everyone in this credit sequence is credited as their characters names i feel like it would have been kind of funny to credit the actors that would have been a fun fourth wall break but you know um and then after that number we go into there's a light over at the frankenstein place basically rachel and finn are like in rehearsals sets and costumes are all done they're doing i assume a dress rehearsal this is also a pretty good song. I think uh, Corey and Leah's voices sound great together. This is also just like a good song in general. Like I'm of the opinion that whilst problematic, Rocky Horror is just a good show. I frankly disagree that it's problematic. It's raunchy. That's fair. What was I going to say? This is also a great time to mention that um, Leah Michelle and Matthew Morrison were in a production of Rocky Horror. Uh, just really a, a couple months before this, I think in a season break in between season one and two, uh, where they played Brad and Janet. Oof. Did you not I mean, know good that? for them, but I didn't. 
you know that I don't know anything. I de have definitely told you that fun fact before because it's just an unbearably uncomfortable fact. Um, as they are in the middle of rehearsals, though, Carl uh, steps in, interrupts the song. Carl, who we know is Emma's dentist boyfriend, played by John Stamos. And he whose goes, name hey, I generally she's... can't remember. I only think of him as being John Stamos. Yeah, same difference. Frankly, respectfully, Carl has like very little personality. He's just charismatic John Stamos character. With his, uh, with all due respect to John Stamos, that being all the possible respect in the world because I love him, he's been playing Uncle Jesse since he started being Uncle Jesse. <laughs> yes. And I love that for him. But anyway, he goes like, hey, Will, you're trying to steal my woman or whatever. And we do a little, I think, like a freeze frame. Um, and it's like a, I suppose you're wondering how we got here type like narration sort of thing. Where Will realizes like, oh, I fucked up. And we backtrack like, uh, I don't know, a week or so earlier, a couple weeks earlier, where he uh, sees Emma in the teacher's lounge eating a sandwich with the crusts still on it hell and yeah good for her because as we we've established carl has been this amazing boyfriend who's like really encouraging her to step out of her comfort zone in safe ways love that and she tells will like oh things have been going great with carl and we went to a rocky horror picture or a rocky horror show performance this week it's and she says, it's one of my favorite shows. It was so much fun. And everyone was like throwing stuff everywhere. But I was just having so much fun. I didn't even mind the mess. Yay. Good for her. I'm like, I really wish they had kept Emma on this upswing. I feel like the minute she starts dating Will, she's like back in a downswing. We go back down to the pits of despair. Yeah. And as Emma is talking about like, I think I think she says that they're going to go to like a trick-or-treating party or something and they're gonna dress up like characters from Aki Horror. Will is like, oh my god, what a coincidence. Because I was just thinking about how we should do Rocky Horror in Glee Club, which is like a total lie, flat out lie. Cause he just wants to like have something to connect with Emma about. And Emma goes, Isn't that a little risque for children will she's correct it is and he's like oh well i'll just have to do like a little rewrites or i'll have to make some edits and she's like you'll have to edit out the entire thing i think that they could keep oh. in maybe damn it janet yeah they could keep in damn it janet i think they could keep in science fiction double feature they could keep in whatever happened to saturday night and then and then that's it <laughs> um for anyone who's unfamiliar with the plot of rocky horror it is a very raunchy musical it plays a lot with concepts of gender back when it was written in what the 70s i think the 70s yeah fun fact about rocky horror um the first time i watched it i want to say i was like 16 and i didn't understand what was going on because i just had my wisdom teeth taken out and then the second time i watched it i was drunk the night of the 2020 election love that basically in the plot the two like goody two-shoes characters they're recently engaged 
and it can be assumed your stereotypical like american dream soon to be havers brad and janet or just like the definition of like brad is supposed to be clark kent yeah and they get caught up in a storm and they have to take housing in this like transylvanian-esque dr frankenstein he's built a monster except instead of a monster it's a hot guy that he can it's like a a hot mannequin who's sentient who is who like gets born in the show um it's uncomfortable all around and then as brad and janet are like spending the night there the main character frankenfurter uh Technically speaking, it is a consensual sex act, but they do not know what they are consenting to at first. And it's a very dubious, like, heavy trigger warning. It's a cult classic. It's all about, like, sexual freedom and whatever. And eventually Brad and Janet, uh, you know, become part of the Transylvanian, like, kooky clan. But um, it's certainly not appropriate material for... 15, 16, 17-year-olds. Absolutely fucking not. Under no possible circumstances. Um, And so Emma says in the scene, like, well, I doubt you're going to get Sue and Figgins to sign off on it, but, like, okay, like, yay, Rocky Horror. And then she gets up and leaves because she doesn't want to, like, finish her lunch with him. Which, good for her. Like, yeah, I would leave, too. So we go from there into the first Glee Club meeting of the episode where Brittany says that she's going as a peanut allergy for Halloween. I The one-liners that they give Heather Morris, my God. So Mr. Shu comes in and he announces to everyone, hey guys, we're gonna do Rocky Horror. And Rachel's like, um, aren't you worried about the adult themes? And they say like, oh, like some schools haven't been allowed to do rent or other like raunchy shows because the school boards won't allow it and will's like no the arts should be about like challenging expectations the arts should be all about self-expression and that's what rocky horror is all about and i just gotta say will well well i just gotta say shut up sue says it later in the episode she says it best where she's like yes kids might be exposed to some kind of things like this but don't actively lead them to it. Yeah, like that's kind of, I don't know, like... Not to sound like a conservative for a moment, but I believe that a parent and child can make a decision together if the parent feels that the child is mature enough to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. It should not be something that a teacher at school is like forcing it should not be something that a teacher at school first of all like let alone having them watch it having them do it that's just like on a totally different level to me of like danger will robinson Mm -hmm. and then another incredibly frustrating thing goes on in the scene where he talk. he says like okay guys time for casting and rachel goes well obviously finn and i are playing brad and janet and obviously, uh, Artie is playing the guy in the wheelchair because Artie's in a wheelchair. <laughs> and Dr. Then, Scott, yeah. And then Will says, oh, I was hoping Kurt would be Frankenfurter. And Kurt once again says, um, no, I'm actually, he, okay. So he says transvestite here. I 
personally, I'm fine with saying the word transvestite for the purposes of this episode because it is a word used in the Rocky Horror Show. In this context with Kurt saying it, however, it's not really a proper word to say. Um, it's just a very outdated term. What he means is that he's not comfortable with doing drag. This is a thing they keep bringing back for Kurt, um, where they're like, he's saying like fashion has no gender, but also like very against expressing himself more femininely, uh, with the exception of literally last episode, they had him do La Jazz Hot. Um, I would argue that it's not so much uh, his resistance to femininity, it's a resistance to him being called a woman or perceived as a woman. Because, like, he's called ladyboy a lot, which is also, like, a very transphobic, I guess, term to, like, yeah. blur the lines when someone like her is like, no, I'm a boy. Don't call me stuff that as- assumes that I, just because I'm gay, that I must be closer to female than I am to male. So I think that's another whole conversation about gender expression versus gender identity. Anytime. No, I was saying I completely understand that what he's saying. I was saying it seems weird to have done this directly after the La Jazz Hot episode. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Kurt saying, no, I don't want to do drag when he literally did a drag performance a week ago, two weeks ago, canonically in Glee time. And then just further frustrations with the idea that like when casting a show, students can just claim roles that they want without auditioning which is infuriating like come on absolutely infuriating especially you question for you because i know that you um this was very influential on your life when you like grew up and auditioned for theater did you think that you could just say i want to be this role and then you would be that role Hmm. i was under the impression and I, my understanding is still how this is how some production companies do it, where on the sheets that you fill out or when you go in, you'll verbally tell the director, okay, I'm auditioning for the roles of, let's say, Belle, Mrs. Potts, Babette, and the wardrobe. And you'd be like, okay, those are my four roles that I'm primarily interested in, but I'm fine with taking any role. Or you would say, I'm only fine with taking these roles. If I can't be cast in these roles, I cannot do the show, unfortunately. And that's just like a professionalism thing. But it's not a guarantee Mm -hmm. that you get those roles, which is what they're doing right now on Glee, where Rachel's just like, I want to be Janet because I'm the best. And then she like gets it because of course she does. It's the Rachel Berry show. I mean, I'm not planning on like completely recasting this or anything, but I would just like to say, I think Quinn would also make a pretty good Janet. Yeah, that was my thing. Like, I think that Quinn would be a way better Janet. I don't know if she'd have as much fun with it as she does with, um, oh my goodness, is she Magenta or is she Columbia? She's Magenta, yeah. Her She's magenta. and Santana are Magenta. Um, That's another thing. I think Rachel, is it, volunteers Santana and Quinn and Tina and Brittany for the Magenta and Columbia double casts. Like, none of them even say that they want the roles, which is also weird. It's it's weird and it feels okay. So like our theater company also did double casts, also because of uh cast size. But it feels weird that the double casting that they're doing is of Magenta and Columbia and not hmm I don't know Brad and Janet. Also important thing about this scene that Mike says, "Hey, I'd like to I'd like to play Frankenfurter because after 
um, the duets competition that we did, you know, I'm starting to get more confident with my voice. I would have loved to see Mike as Frankenfurter. Would have loved it. Oh, I think he absolutely would have killed it. I would have loved that for him. I think he should do that for Halloween one year. Anyway, into I think the next, I think that's the end of the scene there. They cast everyone. And then we go into the auditorium where like Finn and Rachel are just reading over lines because I guess they already have the scripts. And Finn is like confused by the script and Rachel's just giving him directions and she's like, blah, blah, blah. And then we take off all our clothes and do the rest of our, the scene in our underwear. And he's like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, we're covered in rain. So we have to undress. And he's like, I'm not comfortable with just being in my, my briefs, like in front of the whole school. Fair enough incredibly valid and yet another reason this should never be done as at a high school this also like you know insinuates that you could get the rights to do rocky horror at a high school at all yeah that's so fair um and since when has will schuster ever cared about laws and uh finn talks about how like you know he's like i'm kind of insecure about my body type like i don't really feel comfortable showing it off to everybody and Rachel's like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not gorgeous model-esque like Brittany and Santana, but you still like the way I look, right? Or she says actually something really nice here. She says, you just have to trust me that I think you're the hottest guy in school, which is actually cute. Season two is like prime Finchel endgame. Yeah. Um, I mean, in my heart, they've always been endgame. But like this, this is like this prime seasons where it's like, yeah. Yeah, this works. This works for them. I love this. They do really start to establish the reasons they do make a good couple. And then we'll just flip it on the head the next episode or so and be like, actually, no, they're a terrible couple. Um, So we go from there to a Sue's Corner segment, basically. So we're at the, the news casting place, the television studio. That's the thing. And Sue has this little bit about how Halloween is just for little boys to dress like girls and little girls to dress like whores. Which there is something to be said for the like continued sexualization of like little girl costumes. Yeah. How like you basically cannot buy a a Halloween store costume for your daughter without it being like kind of risque, even if the girl's like 10. Yeah, like it drove me insane. Like even when I was like a younger kid. I'll be real, this is not one of my favorite Sue's Corner bits, but anyway, um Sue walks off the set and we see the cameos from Barry Bostwick and Meatloaf, RIP. Uh they're playing two cable news network hot shots, I guess, and they say I guess just that she has like the right material Uh, to go big they're looking for like a big story from her that's gonna uh, blow them all up to like huge amounts of fame or whatever as if sue sylvester is not like already world famous canonically yeah i always found this bit a little bit weird and uh in talking to people who are like big into the the rocky horror scene uh aka listening to the rocky the aforementioned rocky horror minute podcast who uh i don't know 
they did a live stream about this this Glee episode as like a Christmas special thing, which I did watch and was greatly amused by. Um, they were pissed about the roles given to Meatloaf and Barry Bostwick in this episode. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like you have the, you get cameos from two of the original members and you're just like, they kind of feel sidelined and they kind of feel just like thrown in, like their characters don't really do anything. Yeah, like, they literally don't do anything this episode that Sue probably wasn't already going to do herself. Yeah, like, Sue was already going to find out about the school play. Um, they say that this under undercover expose of the play could land her an Emmy. So I, like, I don't know, I guess it's, like, giving stakes to the situation. I feel like a high school production of Rocky Horror is big enough stakes on its own, question mark. Yeah, I mean, the traditional, like, she's just trying to get Will fired, I feel would have sufficed, but, like, okay, I guess. But, like, on the other hand, I don't know what else they could have done. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm not a writer for Glee. Thank Christ. Actually, I think that, that Glee would have been better if you had been a writer. Maybe not you at nine, but you now, certainly. <laughs> I definitely think me at ten years old could have been a better writer for Glee. Fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, we go into the next scene, another Glee Club rehearsal where they're getting ready to do Damn It, Janet, and everyone's like getting into places. And I think it's Santana at first. She starts making some weird comment about Finn's body, like, oh, you're going to be scared to do the next scene or whatever. And you're going to realize you can't be shoving down hamburger helper every every lunch period or whatever. So much to discuss. So, so much to discuss. Um Finn and Rachel are like, that's rude. Don't say that. And I think it's Quinn who says like, oh, well, guys make comments about girls' bodies all day. Or no, it's Santana. Santana says, Artie just earlier asked me if I was smuggling two ostrich eggs under my shirt. And basically they're saying like, well, guys make sexist comments about us. So we're allowed to make comments about guys' bodies. And I guess none of these kids have ever been told two wrongs don't make a right. Also, Will Schuster apparently hasn't because he just lets this happen. He's in the room while all these kids are making super rude comments about each other's bodies. If, I, if I'm the one in this position, we are reprimanding Artie and Santana. Yeah, neither like of them are in the right here. None of them are doing the right thing. So steal a TikTok audio. Stop commenting on people's bodies. Nobody asked. Nobody cares. I don't even think at one point someone says, can we just get get on with rehearsal? And then Will says, yes, please. Will wasn't even the one who said we should move on from this. So literally Will would have like let it keep going if no one had said we should stop. Like, he's just so bad at his job. He's just letting it happen. Anyway. Uh, we go into Damn It, Janet with um, Finn and Rachel, and then Quinn, Mercedes, and Kurt are doing the backups for it. This is actually a really cute number. I think Finn- It's actually a really cute number. Yeah, I'll give it that. I will give it that. It's it's Finn and Rachel being in love. It's Corey Monteith being his little, like, himbo golden retriever self. I love it. It's a I'm great I'm not going to pretend I don't. With him as tall as he is, and he's so gangly, and he's not a particularly good dancer, and it works so perfectly for the song, because he's just, like, gawking about. And he even does some of the choreography from the movie, where in the movie, Brad draws a heart on the church doors, 
but instead here Finn draws a heart on the whiteboard behind them so it's like super cute um he's also he does a really good job with some of the high notes too I noticed good bad or mediocre there's like a couple vowel sounds that are on high notes that he just does a really good job with so you can tell there's been a lot of development with Corey Monteith's voice since season one absolutely and I love it as a Corey stan I love it Sue like walks in towards the end of the number and calls Will out into the hallway obviously she's furious she's like how could you put on this show without telling me and he's like well I was kind of just hoping that you wouldn't find out until it was too late to stop us Will, I want to bring up the thought that maybe Sue hates Will so much because he's the bad guy. Just a thought, just a concept. Sue Sylvester is not a good person, but Will Schuster actively makes perhaps every wrong choice in this episode. Every single one of them. Wrong choice. Yeah. It's not even like a wrong choice for the right reasons. No, bitch, it's the wrong choices for the wrong reasons. Yeah, he's just trying to get closer with, um, with Emma. Sue does do like a little switcheroo on him here. And she's like, oh, well, actually, I'm a huge Rocky Horror fan. I would love to be involved with the show. And he's like, fine, you can play the criminologist, uh, which is like the kind of, I guess, narrator role, again, for pe- people who are It's a familiar. bit of an iconic choice. I'm not going to lie. I would love to see Jane Lynch do that. We go from there to just a scene that makes me want to roll up into a ball where all the boys are in the locker room. They're talking about their fitness and their dieting because um, Sam is playing Rocky in in the production. Rocky, who is the basically alive sex doll. Yeah, and it's... Uh... Once again, I want everyone to know that Sam is canonically 15 years old. And he says he only eats... Um, like grains, oats, fish, like plain chicken. Frankly, he just has an eating disorder. It's giving like eating not, disorder. Uh, frankly, it's a tragedy that men's eating disorders are not talked about enough in media. I feel like we get like decent representation for women, women's body diversity and women's eating disorders. We literally had a whole eating disorder episode in season one and we're getting another one in season five or six. Uh, yeah, Marley has a whole plot line with it when she's introduced. And yet, like, they just never really treat Sam's issues with food the same way. When, like, he clearly, throughout this episode, we'll get to him in later scenes, where he clearly directly ties his body image with his self-worth. And he's like, if I don't have abs, then I will be worthless. Which is so concerning, especially for somebody that young. Yeah. And Finn also hears this advice in the scene and is like, that sounds absolutely insane like I can't really manage a diet like that and also I don't really want to but also I guess I have to in order to be confident in my body which is also weird because like Corey Monteith is not a plus-sized guy he yeah I like at the time of filming this I don't think he had like a full six-pack but he definitely this was wasn't. before this was like required by everyone in Hollywood to have a full body six-pack yeah, it was before, like, Avengers hit it big and everyone was going Doritos chest Chris Evans. And don't get me wrong, I love a Doritos chest. However, I'm also a woman of discerning taste and I love, like, just, I love a little bit of tummy also. Love a little bit of tummy. Love a comedy love body. Love it! And on top of that, it's important not to infantilize 
um like chubbier bodies too because like Corey Monteith is a good looking guy so yeah (laughs) anyway just another super upsetting thing in this scene where Artie I think says like oh it's because of the internet once internet porn was invented girls could start watching porn and now girls have the same standards for guys bodies as guys did for theirs first of all this implies that girls weren't watching porn before well he says that girls wouldn't have to make quote the embarrassing trip to the video store i just i need these students to be told that two wrongs don't make a right just because that's the moral of this episode you feel that one gender is invalidating you in some way doesn't mean that you can make these huge statements about the other gender but basically all of this discussion puts the fear of god into finn and Sam's like, oh, well, if you get up on stage looking like the Pillsbury Doughboy, you're going to regret it. Um, Here's the other thing, though. Like, Brad is supposed to be just, like, completely average American dude. Yeah. Barry Boswick didn't have a six-pack. Yeah. Like, I, it just gets on my nerves. Sigh. We, I really wish there was just more discussion with the men's eating disorders in glee just that's like a big note throughout the entire series it really is it really is anyway uh there's like a small scene in emma's office where i want to note she is organizing her desk she like has a tape measure out it is the only scene in this episode in which we see her kind of fall back into her usual ways and it is the scene where will begins to overstep her boundaries mm-hmm. here he asks her to basically like because she's such a big fan of the show he asks her to help with all the sets and the props and she's very enthusiastic about this she she agrees to it because she just loves rocky horror but he's like oh we'll be spending a lot of time together just you and me and she's like yep i love rocky horror i on a on a not to like make it sound like the only thing I do all day is listen to podcasts but it's not not the only thing I do all day but there's a podcast I listen to where the host is just like has a theory called a bricking wherein sometimes people just need a brick thrown at their face this this will scene is a bricking you can't just not cite what podcast that is that is behind the bastards my favorite podcast oh okay um, speaking of people who need a brick thrown at their face, Ryan Murphy needs a brick thrown at his face yep! for, for now making Mike Chang come into the office and say, hey, Mr. Shu, my parents read over the script and they're not letting me play Frankenfurter because they don't want me dressing up like a tea slur. And he fully says it. I refuse to believe that it is in character for Michael Chang to say the tea slur. I think Ryan Murphy held a gun to the fictional character's head and forced him to say it. I'll buy into that. Why not? I think this is so out of character for Mike. We have only seen him be a loving and caring son and boyfriend. He would never do this to us. So we're going to just like pretend that he didn't. Yeah. We will not pretend that Ryan Murphy didn't write this. Because I was just should. about to say, Ryan Murphy just, like, he just fully took over Mike Chang's entire person, being and body, said the slur, and then left. Yeah. Um, we will hold Ryan Murphy accountable. Mike Chang is a fictional character who would never do this to us. Anyway, 
Mike's not playing Frankenfurter anymore. Moving on from that, um, we get a little scene with Sue and Becky where they're doing like some scheming or whatever. And Will comes in and relays the information. We've lost our Frankenfurter. Musicals canceled. Can't do it anymore. And Sue doesn't want this to happen because she's like, oh, shit. I've got these guys from the news network who like want the this undercover expose to be done. She is passing by Emma's office and sees Carl and Emma playing around with the costumes. I think this this is the first time Sue meets Carl and she gets the idea because they both say they're Rocky Horror fans. They're both helping out with the costumes of the show. And Emma says Carl knows every lyric to every song. And Sue goes, oh, what a coincidence that the production needs more people in it. Oh my, oh my God, that's just so crazy. Back into the Glee Club room, Carl and Emma are offering up Carl to audition for the show. Or actually, Carl says, I think that he, he says that he wants to play Eddie. And Will's like, oh, well, we can't just have you jump into the show. You have to audition first. As if he had any of the other students audition. As if he had anyone else audition. Yeah. Um, but Eddie, or I'm sorry, Carl, immediately jumps into, uh, he calls it hot in the script, but it's credited as whatever happened to Saturday night on the soundtrack. An absolute banger. Slaps, slaps, slaps! I said this in our interview with... Um, yam productions but if i was in a production of rocky horror would love to play eddie personally um this is also just a great number for john stamos he's killing it he really truly on every single level is i one of the first crushes i ever had was on john stamos as uncle jesse in full house in case you no, really tell i from couldn't me everything about me so seeing him like just rocking and rolling around again touches the soul what i think is so nice about this number two is that all of the kids like get into the number they're all dancing around with him and it never feels inappropriate once fascinating that's possible you can do that it sure isn't for will schuster um i think will should take notes from this of like this is how you engage with your students in a musical number without, pencils out like, well yeah without Staring like at their ass overstepping clear boundaries but the number ends, everyone had like such a fun time and they're like, oh my God, this is great. You'll definitely be in the show. And Will's like, hold on. We need a Frankenfurter, not an Eddie. <laughs> and Carl, sensible man that he is, goes, well, it's a little inappropriate for me to be playing Frankenfurter. I'm an adult. And Mercedes, goddess among women, says, actually, Mr. Shu, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, if you will. Love this for her. Love this for her. She says, this is my chance to play a lead, and I really want the role of Frankenfurter. And they go, yep, sure. And uh, now um, now Carl is playing Eddie. I don't know who was playing Eddie before this. Technically speaking, Mike is dressed as Eddie in the final Time Warp number this episode, but I don't think they had an Eddie, despite them being like well into rehearsals now. I don't know. Anyway. They jump into the first dress rehearsal and weirdly like sets and costumes are now already done. So I guess this has been like a bit of a time jump forward because there's no way they could get these sets put together in like a handful of days. 
Glogic. I like this episode might be the most Glogic-y one yet. Yeah. Important note with this scene, Sam comes out and he's wearing the Rocky costume, which is just a pair of costume very- is so generous. <laughs> yeah, it's, costume it's is literally generous. just like gold lame hot pants. Yeah, it's literally gold tight tight underwear. Um and he's like covering his crotch and he says like um I'm not really super comfortable wearing these. Like, can we get something a little bit longer? And that's coming from Sam too, who, you know, earlier scene was just saying like, well, you're gotta be hot for the show, Finn. No one's gonna like you if you're not hot hot for the show. Um, but they basically like brush Sam off and like don't listen to his concerns at all, jump into the scene, and we go into Sweet Transvestite, sung by Mercedes Jones, Queen of My Heart. The way she completely reinvented this number, she changed everything about it, made her her made it her own. She eats up every single word of this song. It's like here's my thing: nothing is going to be as iconic as the Tim Curry version because right. it's the OG. Nothing is touching this. But like, if that is heaven then Mercedes Jones singing it is like the fucking Vatican baby or whatever. I don't know where this metaphor is going. I would argue that the Tim Curry is obviously, you know, the most iconic version of it. Um, The Mercedes Jones version is just iconic in a different way. I would say it's the same level of iconic, just different ways. Mercedes Jones has not had, you know, gosh, now 50 years, nearly 50 years of history um to you know test the longevity of her performance but you know in another 40 years or so we'll be saying that mercedes jones held her own too i do want to note about this song the lyrics to the original version go um in transsexual transylvania because the character of dr frankenfurter is from the planet transsexual of the transylvanian galaxy let that resonate moving on in the song where they literally say the word transvestite over and over again i guess network television wouldn't let them say transsexual so they change it to sensational s-i-n-sational question mark like that has never made sense to me because they're literally saying transvestite in the song over and over again but i guess because it's the title of the song they didn't have to change that but then they had to change transsexual Eliza is just mouthing I don't know to me. Um, so that happens. And like she is killing it. The outfit, damn, it, she popped off. Um, yeah. The less I have to talk about Chris Colfer in this fucking wig, the better. This, him as Riff Raff, he's so funny. I love his facial expressions in the background. He's serving, certainly. I just don't want to eat what he's putting down. He's clearly having fun. That's another thing. You, I love when you can see in a Glee number where the characters and the actors are having fun filming it. At the end of this number, though, Carl, as Eddie, zooms on stage in a motorcycle. And Will is like, hold on, hold on. Eddie's not on yet. And Carl's like, oh, I just felt like Eddie should enter there. And Emma's like, oh my god, yes, such a great choice. And claps for him. Frankly, if I was Will... This is the one thing that I would allow myself to be annoyed by. Yeah, that's fair. Like, you're not the director. Leave me, go, leave, depart. 
you can't just say like, oh, I'd like to change the entire uh, order of the script. <laughs> and we go from that just absolute banger of a number into um, a scene with Will and Emma, assumably after hours. <laughs> Eliza is fake throwing up into her hands right now because because we know what's about to happen he calls emma in and he says you know i've been thinking a lot about the material of rock and horror and you're right it's just not really appropriate for these kids so i've decided to take it upon myself to play rocky in this production. tell me tell Cause, me because he just feels so bad for sam you know it's so sad that sam is so insecure in that costume so really Instead of, you know, like, changing the costume or anything. Yeah, it's not like they could possibly... What they do in the ending number is they give him, like, a tank top to perform in. So he's in a shorts and tank top. Again, they would never do Rocky Horror in a high school production period. But, like, uh... I'm not saying the majority of Glee's problems could be fixed if they set it in a college instead of a high school, but it would certainly fix some of them. It would fix some of them. Um, Will says that, you know, I have to have this number touch a touch a touch me down by tomorrow for me to perform it with Rachel. Uh, Don't perform it with Rachel. The idea of Will Schuster following through with this and performing it with Rachel, who literally last season had an entire plot where he knew it was inappropriate for her to have a crush on him. Makes me want to tear all my skin off. And he says to Emma in this scene, he says, you know, you're the only one who knows Rocky Horror enough so you can help me rehearse this number, right? And he starts playing the music and Emma just knows all the words to touch and touch and touch me. They start to pre- performing and Eliza and I metaphorically kill ourselves. Two of the worst things about this, or I'll just say one first. First of all, Brittany and Santana are watching. Brittany and Santana are watching this happen. Basically, throughout the number, Will gets gradually undressed. He ends completely shirtless with just his tie on. Emma gets undressed a little bit too. I think she just takes off like her shoes and her blouse, or not her blouse, her cardigan. Her cardigan. Yeah. Um, and they're like, she's basically giving him a lap dance to this song. I actually do think Jama Mays does a really good vocal performance to this. I think she. I think it's a number that works really well for Jama Mays is like uh, like slightly weaker vocals, but it works with the song. Yeah, like she performs it well. I just hate everything that's happening in this performance. What I will say, I know a friend who I will not name because I'm not going to out her as a Will Schuster apologist or a Matthew Morrison apologist who finds Matthew Morrison very attractive. And from her words, she has said that this number uh, is attractive to her. That, like, she finds Will Schuster attractive. I've never related to a single human being on this earth less. Get well soon, bestie. Get well soon. Yeah. um, I think this number would have also been fun if they had just thrown away the Emma and Will plot completely. And made it a Britney and Santana song. That could have been fun, yeah. And they could have done it as like a, maybe they're making all of the costumes for the thing and throwing clothes around. And that would have made more sense. Yeah, at least it would be characters. Or I mean, I guess Will and Emma are also technically the same age. But I would have rather had it be like characters that I give a shit about, respectfully. Also that. (laughs) 
Um, so the number ends. Oh, we didn't even mention the Will Schuster jump, jump scare. scare. <laughs> um, where he's doing the creature of the night um vocals, oh, and you just see Matthew Mor- Morrison's face leap on screen. And then they do. I'm not the- saying it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm just saying that if I hadn't seen that, I think I'd be less suicidal. Yeah, I I don't know if, how many suicidal ideations am I gonna have to cut from this episode. Fuck, true. Sorry. Um, because I'm with you, bestie. No, like this, that. So, like, this whole scene was uh, various types of uncomfortable. But that one gave me a physical ick shiver reaction. Yeah, it's it's a full reaction. And they do it, it's this, like, faces fading into other faces thing, which is also a reference to the movie. So I understand why they do it. It's a reference. But, but God, that doesn't make it good. Yeah. Oh my God. What a choice that was to make us watch that. I think Ryan Murphy had too much power. I know that I said this during the Madonna episode for like a version uh, and you cut it out because I was laughing too hard while I said it. For this, Ryan Murphy should be tried for war crimes in The Hague. It's still true. <laughs> yeah, he deserves it. Anyway, we go into the next scene. Um, with uh, Finn is working out and Sam comes in and tells him, I'm not playing Rocky anymore. And Finn goes, well, who is? And Sam goes, Mr. Shue. And we find out that Sam thinks that he was demoted from being Rocky because he was complaining about the costume. And Sam's like, oh man, if I was just uh, a little more fit, if I had just worked out a little bit more, then I wouldn't have lost the role. No, this is Mr. Shue's uh, own selfish purposes for doing this we also find out here that um like finn i guess he says something about like trying to connect with the character of brad because he's just supposed to be a normal guy but finn says that he has started showering with his shirt on because he doesn't want to see his body oh my god these boys need therapy they need therapy oh my god they need a good guidance counselor like i feel so bad for them he also you know what what's weird here though is that like finn's like oh brad is not this guy who you know worries about his body too much so i can find confidence in that and finn he he takes it like he has this one-up on sam and he's like well i don't need to care about my body in the way you do and he walks out of the locker room very determined and we see sam looking in the mirror he grabs like an inch of loose skin from his stomach and he goes damn it i shouldn't have eaten those cool ranch doritos i don't know how to explain to you how skin works but it there should be a little bit extra of it so you can you know move you you can't just be flexing all the time my dude anyway another rehearsal thankfully one of the last rehearsals this episode they're doing the bit from the movie where the characters say each other's names janet dr scott (laughs) yeah and will is having to like run back and forth from being finn to rocky because finn has not shown up for rehearsals and also sue is interjecting the whole time like this is awful what is happening in the script what are we even doing here and i mean she's right but she doesn't have to say it (laughs) yeah 
No, she does have to say it, frankly. I think she deserves to say it. We find out, or uh, I think Will gets a call from the principal or whatever. We find out that Finn was not at rehearsal because he decided to walk down the hallways of McKinley in his quote-unquote Brad costume, i.e. the underwear. I have to say two things. First of all, the student that they show reacting to Finn in the hallway, all due respect, has a very receding hairline and looks nothing like a high schooler. Second of all, I do not claim to be an expert in men's underwear options. However, this is the worst, most unflattering pair of underwear that anyone's ever worn. It is the most unflattering underwear. It's also a pair of boxers, which, as I understand it, is the option of men's underwear that shows the, the least shows the least amount of shape down there, as opposed to a pair of briefs, which would be tighter. Why is Finn worried about people seeing his dick? Question I don't mark? think it's that. I think it's about like his abs. I, but he mentions earlier, like, oh, people are going to be able to see my business, I think is the line in the early scene. Oh, with fair, him yeah. But, like, this is a pair of boxes. I mean, if it's, like, white, that's in, like, stage lights. Oh, yeah, you're right. And they're going to be wet, too. Yeah, I just hate it for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, like, Bessie, um, as someone who has had to wear uh, n- not the most uh, modest costumes on stage just wear something under it yeah most of the most productions will require you to wear like a pair of gym shorts underneath pretty much all of your costumes especially for a character in a lead role where you have like multiple costume changes anyway will and finn are in the principal's office and we find out that figgins wants to suspend him for a month um for like public indecency basically which fair enough and in this scene, of course, too, Figgins calls Will out, where Figgins is like, why do you care so much about putting on this production of Rocky Horror? Like, why are you doing this? Which is and an Will's excellent like, question. Yeah. And he says, you're putting you and your Glee Club on the line. And I want you to be sure that whatever you're doing is worth it. Good point, Figgins. We hop back into the the opening scene where Carl interrupts. There's light, and he says, "Will, I heard you were hitting on my girlfriend." And Will is surprised that Emma told Carl this, and Carl's like, "Yeah, because in our relationship, we trust each other. We're honest with each other, and so when things like this happen, we can trust each other to tell each other about it." Imagine, I'm not going to do it because, like, visual medium versus audio medium, but, like, that thing that you used to do where you snapped in, like, the shape of a Z. Yeah. Don't make me snap my fingers in a Z formation, exclamation, <laughs> hip rotation, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, girl, you just got dissed. I, the memories that you just unlocked. Um, so, basically, Will has been discovered. All of the students are standing on stage. They're, like, hiding behind the set pieces. Super uncomfortable. And then we go to basically like, I guess there's some kind of trick-or-treating thing that the school is doing. And Becky, who I want to know is 
going as Sue Sylvester for Halloween, which hell I, yeah, I which also Olive went, also did. Yeah, I also went as Sue Sylvester this past Halloween. It's a great costume. Highly recommend it. You just get to wear a comfy jumpsuit. I guess there's like a trick or treating thing going on at the school. Becky comes into Will's office to say that she wants candy, but then they end up talking about Sue, and. Becky takes Will over to watch Sue's, or I guess the next week's Sue's Corner, where Sue reveals that she's she's actually been in on this whole plan this whole time, where she's just been scheming to take down arts programs and prove that arts programs are useless at schools, and her evidence for it is this awful teacher, Will. Schuster, who forced his students to be in a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And frankly, she's right to call him out. Honestly, yeah. The the assumption she's making here, or the the jump from A to C that she's making here is like Will Schuster is a bad theater teacher. And so all theater and arts programs should be cut, which is not true. However, Will Schuster should be fired. Just your daily reminder, this is a Will Schuster hate podcast. Yeah. Just in case you thought we were too nice to him like a couple episodes ago or whatever. It's like the next day at school or whatever, and Will confronts Sue in the teacher's lounge, and she's like, oh, you're really going to stand here and tell me that you were making completely virtuous decisions in forcing your students to be in a production of Rocky Horror? Really? and uh, she's right she, yeah. like that like there's nothing else to say she's just correct yeah and, and you could not like it but that doesn't make it not true she makes an excellent point here where she says like you cannot expose kids to material like this on the taxpayer's dime and will is arguing like oh well they have the internet like they're gonna get exposed to inappropriate things all the time and sue's like don't lead them to it don't actively like basically you know, take it out of their parents' hands and be like, hey, kids, here's the show all about sex that, like, we're just going to do because it's just a fun and not serious show when, like, frankly, these are kind of serious subject matters that I wouldn't have been comfortable dealing with in high school. Me too. It's just shitty. Yeah. So many issues, Will. So many issues. So from that conversation, we go into scene with Will and Emma they're sitting in the auditorium and he tells her that he's canceling the show altogether and that he was only doing it to get close to her and that Boo, he's really tomato tomato <laughs> he says here you know love can just make you do some crazy things Emma looks so uncomfortable I would have canceled the show right here I hate that they're trying to make Emma and Will still seem like friends because frankly if I was Emma in this situation I would be like I would never talk to him again please don't talk to me I would be like please avoid me in the halls I understand we work at the same school so we can have a professional relationship but please stop talking to me and what's super weird about this is like his monologue with Emma where he like admits that he was doing all this for selfish means transitions into his monologue to all the glee kids where he's like guys i want to apologize you know i want to especially apologize to finn and sam for like making you guys do this and he 
I can't remember exactly what he says, but he basically phrases it like, oh, we all made this mistake. And I was watching it and being like, no, you made the mistake, Will. Like, technically speaking, yes, the students also shouldn't have like been complicit with this, but you were the one who suggested it to them. It's just like infuriating and I hate it. He makes this whole speech about how like, oh, Rocky Horror is for outcasts. It's It became a cult following because it was all for people who didn't feel like they belonged. I never want to hear Will Schuster try to relate to queer culture ever again. Yeah, would just rather listen to almost anything else. Yeah. And speaking of listening to anything else, Will announces, you know, we are still going to perform Rocky Horror, but we're just not going to do it for an audience. We're just going to do it for our own benefit. So I guess they put on a whole, like, two-hour show of Rocky Horror to nobody, which... I've never performed a show to nobody before, but I have performed a show, you know, when you're to in a show. To very empty audiences. Yeah, you know when you're in a show, not even necessarily like the audience physically empty, but when you're like telling jokes on stage and the audience just And the audience is giving it, you nothing. The audience is giving you nothing. I cannot imagine trying to perform an entire show like Rocky Horror that's like super extravagant and flamboyant and having no audience reactions. Because, like, the big thing about Rocky Horror is the audience reaction. Yeah, that's, like, become the thing about going to see a Rocky Horror production is, like, throwing things or, like, yelling things at the people. Anyway, we go into the last number of the episode, which is Time Warp, arguably the most famous song from Rocky Horror. And this is pretty good. I think it's it's a good number. Um, I like that everyone is in costumes. Um, Mike is playing Eddie in this version a role I also think he would have done really well with actually I would have liked to sing uh I would have liked to hear Harry Shum Jr. do whatever happened to Saturday night as well um I also love that Tina gets a little like tap dance number in there her and Brittany get a little dance solo Quinn gets a singing solo Kurt gets a singing solo it's just a great little group number it really is yeah I love it they're also including Artie and the dance numbers, which I love. Love whenever they actually like give Artie cool choreography to do, not just like shove this was him a off good the closer. camera. So Will Schuster obviously did a lot of illegal things this episode. Yeah, we've talked about that enough. I feel like we don't have to answer that question. We all agree that Will Schuster should be. Fired. It is known. Favorite song? Maybe "Damn It, Janet." Yeah, I think that's up there. I feel like every song this episode is pretty good. Touch it, With touch the it, one touch obvious me. glaring exception. Yeah, Touch It, Touch Me is definitely my least favorite. It's also my least favorite performance of the episode. I just never want to watch that scene ever. Time Warp, I will say, is also just kind of okay. It's a good yeah. number. It's not a great number. I think my favorites are Whatever Happened to Saturday Night and Science Fiction Double Feature. That's fair. That's a good choice. I also, like, we can give sweet... Uh, Mercedes's sweet transvestite all the praise in the world I feel that science fiction double feature deserves the same amount of praise but does not get it because it's so early in the episode and it's like very easy to forget but when yeah. you listen to like the soundtrack version of it it's excellent um so next week we actually get to a really interesting episode we hop back into the plot line with um, a coach beast getting more like integrated into McKinley and B 
Kurt struggling with being bullied by Karofsky. The episode is Never Been Kissed. Oh my god, that's the next one? <laughs> yeah, that's the next one. It's, it is an excellent episode. Frankly, I'm going to warn people, the podcast episode will probably be longer than usual because we have so much to say. Half of it is going to be us gushing about Teenage Dream and how much I love Blaine Anderson. Sorry in advance. I cannot stop myself. God, I just, oh, I'm so excited for next time. That's great. Last um, week, and- I'm, they really went like Valley Peak. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingSationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. You can leave reviews on various platforms, and we would love to see them. We would love to read them. We deeply appreciate you. Um, and down in the episode description, after the trigger warnings with our social media and stuff, we are also going to link the several times now mentioned Rocky Horror Minute podcast. It is incredible. If you have even a passing interest in Rocky Horror, go give it a listen. Okay, Mm -hmm. thanks. Bye. Bye.